affection because, you know, it's just been uh, constant uh, discouragement up to this point. And the tone changes a lot in this next section. Uh, there's just a lot of good stuff in this, but essentially the next section is going to show us hope and some positive things even about the suffering and the punishment. And uh, it's nice to know that there is some hope and that it's not all gloom and doom. So I think you'll appreciate this as well. Oh, would somebody read 21 to 39? This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the person who seeks him, it is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent, since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him, get, let him be filled with reproach, for the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. For he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land, to deprive a man of justice in the presence of the Most High, to defraud a man in his lawsuit. Of these things the Lord does not approve. Who is there that who speaks and it comes to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sins? Okay, so there's a lot in this to uh, reflect on. First of all, he starts out with the hope. Now, that's kind of like out of the blue. I mean, you weren't expecting to find the word hope in this uh, book except preceded by no. <laughs> so uh, this, is, this is encouraging. And, and he starts reflecting on the character of God in 22. The loving kindness of the Lord never cease. Uh, never ceases. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Remember that song we sing about that? Would you have expected that to be drawn from lamentations of all places? Uh, but that's true. God is a God of love and grace and compassion. And our hope is based upon his character of love and mercy. If it weren't for the love and mercy of God, we absolutely have no hope whatsoever because by our merit, we are goners completely. So, you know, that, that's positive encouraging. He says in verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Now, I don't know that we mostly understand what he means by the Lord's my portion. What does he mean by portion here? Somebody got something else in their translation. So what is a portion? It would be like inheritance? Yes. The portion is what you inherit. So the portion normally in the Old Testament was like the land of Israel. That's the portion. That's what they received as an inheritance from God. But here, what's the portion? God. God himself. That's what we inherit. Now, do you remember in the Old Testament, most of the tribes got land? 
but one of them inherited the Lord as their portion. Which tribe was that? Levi. Yeah. And that was really a better portion. If you get to inherit the Lord, what could be better than that? In fact, there's a cool psalm that says that. It's a Messianic psalm in part, but Psalm 16, uh, where he says... uh, the Lord, this is Psalm 16.5, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. Now, the point of that, you may not have gotten when I just read that. But think about back when t- land was your inheritance. Is all land created equal? If you were going to get a land as an inheritance, what kind of uh, property would you like? If you could design your own. Grassy, well soiled. Grassy. Fertile. Fertile. Easy access to water. Uh, yeah, I have a lake or a pond on the property. Surprised none of you have said what I was thinking. Big. Big, okay. What else do you want on your property? Okay, that'd be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking more about the property itself, but yeah. Trees? Trees! You don't want trees? I want trees on my property. Well, I want a forest, you know, wood. <laughs> I want some shade around the house. Lots of sheep or grain? Why would you want trees? I don't know. Do you want trees on your property? Yeah. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> Woman after my own heart. So, you've got the, uh, the idea of, of the Lord is the best property you could ever inherit. That's the, that's the blessing. The hope that Jeremiah is looking forward to. And and look at what he says in 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. So we need to wait for the Lord and realize that he is good for us. It's good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. You know, the salvation and hope doesn't come immediately sometimes. So you've got to be patient and hang in there. Um, then, I really like 27. He starts talking more about the suffering. Obviously, It's like, well, what do you do with all the discipline and chastening and all this punishment if the Lord's so good and gracious? It hasn't looked much like it in those first uh, two and a half chapters, three and a half chapters, however you count it, of Lamentations. So look at verse 27. It's good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. What does that say? Good for him to work. Yeah. And what kind of work does a yoke imply? Hard. Hard work. So it's good to have to work hard when you're young. Good to have to go through tough things when you're young. You agree with that? What's good about that? Prepares you. Prepares you. Toughens you up and gets you ready for life. You know, the worst kind of a life. Some of you may have had parents that have done this. But when you become parents, don't do this. The worst kind of a life is to be spoiled and babied. And your parents just kind of cater to you and try to make you happy all the time and do anything you want. 
You know why that's bad? What kind of a kid does that produce? A brat. A brat? And if not a brat, <coughs> at least... A wimp? A wimp. There's a kid who can't handle anything. Oh, he can't, he can't go through that. Oh, that's too hard. I'd rather... You know, I, I've seen this. I've seen parents who are way too easy and just give everything and try to make their kids happy all the time. I've seen parents that I thought were too strict and too harsh and too mean. You know what my observation is? The kids of the parents who are too mean are better than the kids of the parents who are too easy. I'm not, I don't like it when parents are too mean. But the kids come out better than the other one. When you've got it too easy when you're young, that's bad. Now, you know, a little... I, I'm getting off the topic here a minute. But a little bit, you control that. Maybe you had parents who spoiled you a lot and who made things too easy on you. Well, stop right now and make it tougher on yourself. Do harder things. Be more disciplined. You know, be less self-indulgent. You can, you can control some of that. You can control what you do. You can control things like your time. And make yourself do hard things. Control your money. Don't spend it, you know, for just self-indulgent things. You know, really push yourself to, to do things that aren't fun and aren't easy. You know, don't always be thinking, oh, poor me. You know, this is so hard. Okay, so it's hard. That's life. It's good for us. So I think he's taking all even the sufferings of Jerusalem and saying... You know, there's some blessing in this. It toughened us up. You know, this is not all bad. You know, there, there's some good in suffering. Especially when we can endure it with patience. You know, and look at what he's saying in 28, 29, 30, 31. I mean, don't just rebel against discipline and hard things. Hard things will make you tougher. Make you stronger. It's what you want. Uh, and then he says in verse 31, the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. I mean, you can know that the Lord punishes because he wants to ultimately bless. And if it's hard right now, the Lord will have compassion later. You know, so don't just feel like it's over. You know, there's there's hope later on. He does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men, verse 33. The Lord doesn't like to have to punish us. When the Lord makes Jerusalem suffer terribly, the Lord didn't like it. He didn't enjoy it. It's not like the Lord is just up there in the cloud saying, how can I make it harder on them? You know, it's not like that. He punishes because he has to, not because he wants to. And so when he does that, you know, he, he, he hates doing it. He doesn't appro approve of injustice. You know, he looks at 34, 35, and 36. Some of those things where wicked people do hard things to people, the Lord doesn't approve, and he's not going to put up with it. Um, and whatever happens, happens by God's permission. Verse 37, who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and evil go forth? So why should we complain? You know, we shouldn't complain when we realize the Lord's the one who let this happen. 
<clears throat> let's find the value in the things that happen. Instead of whining and complaining, look for some good that the Lord intends by whatever he's let you experience. Whining, complaining, and feeling sorry for ourselves are very unproductive activities. They are not helping us. We need to stop them. All right, thoughts and comments through 39. Forty to fifty-one. Let us examine and probe our ways, and let us return to the Lord. We lift up our heart and hands toward God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain and have not spared. You have covered yourself with the clouds so that no prayer can pass through. You have made us mere offscouring and refuse in the midst of the peoples. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Panic and pitfall have befallen us, devastation and destruction. My eyes run down with streams of water because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes pour down unceasingly without stopping. Until the Lord looks down and sees from heaven, my eyes bring pain to my soul because of all the daughters of my city. Okay, well, what should we do when the Lord punishes us? Return to him. Absolutely. We need to learn the lesson. I mean, we can complain and whine and, and <coughs> grieve, but better is to repent and turn back to God. You know, let's examine and probe our ways and let's return to the Lord. That's what he would like to, 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 to for that to cause. You know, half the time when we're, when we're suffering and when we're down, we brought it on ourselves, and if we just think about what can we do to change, it'd be so much better for us. You know, let's examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. We lift up our heart and hands toward the God in heaven. We've transgressed and rebelled. You've not pardoned. You know, um, so, you know, we need to acknowledge what we've done. We need to recognize it's our fault. We see that God's punishment is because of our sins. Let's turn back to God. You know, let's keep weeping until the Lord looks down and sees us. And let's really repent and turn back to the Lord. That's the lesson to learn. That's the positive benefit of suffering. Sometimes, think about some of the things that have been hardest for you. Are some of those things you brought on yourself because of your sins? Or maybe because of your irresponsibility or something like that? So what do you do? Whine and complain and feel sorry for yourself? Or decide I'm going to change and I'll wait for the Lord to be gracious and merciful again? It's much better to do that. Let's take the sufferings and punishments and, and, and put a positive outcome to them by really turning back to God. Thoughts and comments on that section? Alright, 52 to 66. My enemies without cause haunted me like a bird. There's, they have silenced me in the pit, and have placed a stone on me. Waters flowed over my head, and I said, I am cut off. I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my prayer for relief, from my cry for help. 
you drew near when I called on you. You said, Do not fear. O Lord, you have pleaded my soul's cause. You have redeemed my life. O Lord, you have seen my oppression. Judge my case. You have seen their, all their vengeance, all their schemes against me. You have heard the reproach, O Lord, and their schemes against me. The lips of the assailants and the whispering are against me all the day long. Look on their sitting and their rising. I am their mocking song. You will recompense them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. You will give them the hardness of the heart. You will curse. Your curse will be upon them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under the heavens of the earth. So what's he picturing in 52 and 53? The enemy is pursuing him, you know, silencing him. Look at 54. You ever felt like you were drowning? You know, I'm cut off. And what did uh, Jeremiah do in 55, 56, 57? Right. Yeah, he turned to the God, to God and prayed. Don't hide your ear. Uh, he pleads for his soul. And what's he really wanting God to do in the rest of this chapter? Judge his Absolutely. Punish them. You know, judge them. Look at all they've done. Look at their mocking and give them back according to what they've done. You know, pursue them in anger. You know, so he's ready for the, they're ready for the Lord to punish their enemies for all the, the terrible things they've done, to take vengeance against them. So overall, there is more room for hope in, in chapter three. You know, there's a recognition that God's mercies are there, and he there is hope in the Lord, there's value in the suffering if it causes us to repent and turn back to God. And to then turn to God and ask Him to take vengeance against our enemies, who who deserve to be punished as well. Comments and questions on this chapter. I've heard there's a I don't know what it's called, but where, um, like chapter one mimics chapter five, and then chapter two mimics chapter four, but then chapter three is the focal point of the whole book. Mm -hmm. Be like a chiasm. Chiasm? Mm -hmm. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Have you heard of chiasm before? No. Alright. Key, we usually say it's chi. It's the Greek letter that looks like an X. And if you diagram it out, you'd have like A, B, B, A. And you link the A's and you link the B's and it makes an X. So it's a chi or chiasm. Hmm. So you link up the one and five, the ah, two and four. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that in Lamentations, but it may be. That's true <coughs> in a lot of places. Other questions or comments? Okay. Uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. How the gold has become dim.